Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Department of Homelander Security, the officially unofficial podcast for the boys on Amazon Prime. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're back for the final episode of the season to wrap it all up. Uh, Aaron, I know we got a bunch of feedback on the last few episodes because I don't think we've done one of these in a while uh, with feedback. But yeah, let's uh, let's figure out what we got here. Before we go to the feedback, I want to ask you a question. I, I was looking through and processing all the feedback and there's a lot of people talking about Temp V. In your head, do you think Temp V V24 is just done over with? We'll never return to it as a concept, or do you think that they're going to try to perfect it next season? I mean, yeah, I would think they would try and perfect it. It's, it's, well, I, I don't know. Is Stan Edgar going to be back? Because he was the guy for that, right? Like, he was the guy pushing Tim Stan V Edgar for the government contracts. Back. Yeah. And if he does, I think Tim V comes back with him. Yeah. Like, that's, that's his idea of a thing that they can sell and still have control over. And, yeah, it makes a lot more sense. Uh, honestly, I, I wonder if Tim V isn't the thing he wanted all along. He just didn't have it. Do you think that the uh, the fact that you can't only take a limited amount of doses before it's fatal is uh, a bug or a feature? Because if he wants to hmm. create uh, disposable heroes or heroes that cannot like become super themselves... It's a way to control image too, right? Yeah. You can't get any one hero who's the hero for a long time, and uh, like you can go on at most two or three him. missions as a super soldier, and then you're permanently retired. You can't do it no more, right? Or yeah, it could be because there's a there's a uh, one email that was cut for time, but they compared it to like um, you know, like an Agent Orange situation. Do you think that would just be seen as acceptable losses? Like, well, yeah, we we lost a platoon of tro- super troops here, but you know. Yeah, I I wonder what the soldiers themselves would have to say about that. Well, if I mean, anything, what what <laughs> does, they didn't ask if they could use Agent Orange or were they well, doing they weren't were they doing an asking people to inject open ammo yeah. Agent Orange into their veins either. You know, it's it's a little it's bit true. easier to say, hey, I'm putting this in myself than oops, I got on the battlefield and suddenly Agent Orange. Yeah, uh, I guess that's true. I don't know. I had the same thought. I had the same thought. They're probably going to bring it back. and It's going to be more of a, uh, but man, then you got problems with that because then uh, presumably, like we said, butcher could take permanent V to cure himself, Mm -hmm. but like one round of temp V like it would cure all his, his wounds. And then would they all come back? Like, like, um, uh, Kamiko, if she took temporary V instead of permanent compound V mm-hmm. and all her wounds heal 24 hours later, do all her wounds reopen? Like someone who's got scurvy. I wouldn't scar think tissue so, starts break, but I wouldn't either. Like if you heal, you heal whether you do it with super speed or not. Right. Yeah. It makes me, it makes me wonder like why, 
Yeah, like like all these, you know, this this uh, permanent um, penalty the butcher's going to pay because he's going to die eventually. I wonder if they can just make that go away at Tim Fee. It seems like that would like be a mistake can. if they did, but I don't know logically why it wouldn't work. Unless it is like, because I've heard that like if you do get vitamin C deficiency and scurvy, it's not just that your teeth start falling out and, you know, all those other bad things happen. But like your body, uh, like scar tissue is something your body has to maintain. And like, if it can't do that, like you can actually have old wounds reopen and old injuries reappear. So like mm. a super accelerated version of that, maybe. I don't know. Okay, let's get to the feedback again. Uh, DHS at baldmove.com is how you send us feedback. But that information will avail you not because after this podcast is done, we are stealing off into the night and we will not be back for the boys until uh, they get done with season four. Uh, if you are at the end of your journey with the boys with us and you're like, gosh, I like these guys. Where else? Where else might I find them? We are running a bunch of shows right now. We're talking about uh, For All Mankind on a weekly basis, We're talking about Better Call Saul. Um, we are. What's the other Westworld? Westworld is a big show that we're doing right now. We're about to start on the final, final. We're really promising for sure. Season of the walking dead at the end of August, which also brings us to rings of power also Mm -hmm. on Amazon. I'm sure a lot of people watching the boys are going to be interested in the new Tolkien project that Bezos is doing. And then finally, uh, a week after that, we'll be doing House of the Dragon on HBO. So tons, tons of pulpy fun to be had with bald move. Baldmove.com is how you follow us. Um, up first, Brian, our first volunteer, shooting full of Tim, Tim V and see what happens. He says, I do not understand Newman's logic of giving compound V to her daughter. It's got to be understood that the power you're going to get is a crapshoot, and Homelander was fortunate enough to have rolled a lengthy series of sevens. If she's not confident in her ability to take out Homelander, and she has one of the more impressive powers, why would she reasonably think that her daughter would be protected? Look, man, it's a brave new world, and if you want to be a part of it, you need to have some superpowers. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, if suddenly everybody had a, an implant that gave them 100 more IQ points, you would kind of want that for your kids, right? You would think, because if you're not, your kids are going to be quickly outcompeted and out, out and displaced. Yeah, I feel like whatever power she gets, unless it's like, I don't know. Even I can't think of a power that would be awful as long as you can control it. Yeah, it's... I to Brian's literal point though, I don't like how that plot just was introduced in the early goings of at at latest early goings of the middle part of the season and just disappeared. So like I'm not sure what yeah. Newman you know like it's not clear to me whether this is all a long Stan Edgar Khan if Newman literally did betray him and she's mm-hmm. acting on her own uh, if she was a fear like what the extent fear motivated or what extent like Jim's going on this is a new world order and she wants her daughter to be able to be part of it who the fuck knows because they just dropped like a hot potato mm-hmm. and we've not seen her in that fearful spot since nope haven't seen so. her daughter don't know what she's up to. It's a real it's a real mystery. Hopefully we'll find out next season. Will's up next. He says, in the last few episodes, we've learned that Homelander possesses super senses. I think these sensory powers present an interesting window into both himself and Stan Edgar. For Homelander, with super senses, knowing uh, including smell and hearing, you'd have to think that he would immediately know when someone is scared based on their heart rate, sweat smells, and any other sensory tells. If you consider the juxtaposition of fans who don't know him and therefore don't fear him and people who actually know him personally and definitely fear him... 
I think these sensory powers ratchet up as isolation, loneliness, and self-hatred. I can't help but think that it'd be hard to maintain your semblance of mental health if you knew that everyone in your personal life gets scared the second they see you. Right. This is like the power to read minds is like a blessing and a curse. Right. Because, yeah, you don't really want to know what everyone thinks of you all the time. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, both both good and bad. Like if you mm-hmm. are someone that constantly draws attention, that would be a nightmare. If you're a person that constantly doesn't, that would also be its own little thing. Uh, about Stan Edgar, Homelander's sensory prowess also seems to indicate that Stan truly doesn't fear Homelander. Again, if Homelander can identify racing heart rates and smell changes and body chemistry, you'd think that Homelander would have noticed if Stan was scared. Instead, Stan was unbothered and it threw Homelander completely off. They would all agree that a Stan is likely working a few steps ahead of the game, but Homelander's sensory powers provide a little more evidence. Um, I, that makes a lot of sense, and it also makes a lot of sense why Homelander does seem to be genuinely rattled. Like, if his most people he 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 talks to, including other soups, are afraid of him, mm-hmm. and here's this dude in a suit and <laughs> wireframe glasses that gives no fucks. He just he just bathes in Drakkar Noir every day. <laughs> every day. he masks. And he's got it. a pacemaker. Yeah, he's got a pacemaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, what Homelander doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like the I like the the gist of that, Will. Um, and I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see what is his confidence. Could 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 his oversensitivity be weaponized against him? That's what I want to know. Like. You you take one of those super powered uh, sonic blasters they use to disperse crowds and stuff uh, during riots. You turn that on Homelander, see what happens. Making piss, making pisses tights. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Sonic weapons. He's he's got he's got an eardrum weakness introduced oh, in this true. season. So there you go. Marcus is up next, says, I want to be clear. I'm a black man, but I'm not from the streets. I've been mostly raised amongst white people and lived amongst them my entire life. I live now in a mostly white neighborhood, and I have a take on the A-Train and his plot. Identity is and always has been a huge issue for me. I don't want to go into details, but when I was younger, I was so used to right-wing ideas and talking points. I had no idea what uh, what I was as a black man because I wouldn't address color. A train while feeling or by while being from the quote unquote streets has probably spent most of his life as a celebrity and from a young age was around people not of just different race, but of a different class. So it's probably confusing because when you separate race and class, you're ignoring a huge part of the problem, feeding into the idea that while completely American in its ideal is not how the world actually functions. As I got older, my politics tended to drift to the left. There are a lot of reasons for this, but as a hardcore Bush supporter that took a chance on Obama, it gets pretty complicated from there. I think as A-Train matures, he's probably feeling separated from his people, from who he is, but he spent so long making new friends uh, comfortable with him, he might not be embraced by the black community, and he knows it. His meager attempts to reach out fall flat like his new costume or his commercials. He was ambushed by the Blue Hawk meeting. If he was more genuine or sincere, he maybe could have recovered, but he's confused. He wants to earn the love and respect of his people, but... He doesn't really understand what's going on. So he goes to for the win-win publicity stunt. I find A-Train a tragic character seeking the approval of both communities, and he truly doesn't understand why we can't just get along. He's in a tough spot trying to figure out who he is, but I love the storyline. My opinion is being done really well. It's a different kind of black struggle than we're used to seeing. It has the nuances that I think a story of this cultural magnitude needs to work. Yeah. 
the the privileged black man struggle. I think that's definitely more nuanced and interesting than you know, I, I not more nuanced and interesting, but a different flavor of it. Totally. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of um OJ supposedly was quoted uh. as saying, you know, not being able to understand like his own space and intersectionality in America saying, you know, when they're saying, well, as a black man, this and he's like, he's like, what? I, I'm not black. I'm OJ. Like uh-huh. I am as a brand bigger. I've trans and, you know, then you find yourself in a murder trial and you find out, well, are you OJ or are you first in many people's eyes, a black man? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, and it's very it's very similar because they're both high highly paid uh, mm-hmm. athletes that uh, a lot of America white especially tends to identify with and embrace uh, for their performance. Um, yeah, good points. I'm curious to see where the A train lands uh, leads lands rather myself. And I do think he's a sympathetic character, and you know, yeah, seeing his confusion and his attempts um to to improve himself uh and and get to a healthy place i think are interesting um and i want to see him succeed at this point whereas before when he was you know blowing up people's girlfriends by running through them and saying ah whatever (laughs) not a sympathetic character right he's come a long way Moving on to Nick says, I don't understand mother's milk. I think Butcher's actions are completely justified. They're literally fighting an indiscriminate killing machine. Homelander can and will kill anyone and has threatened cities full of people. So I cannot buy this pearl clutching about Compound V and using Soldier Boy, especially with mother's milk. If they were fighting an existential threat to humanity, okay. But Butcher and Huey's actions are justified when facing the sort of threat that they are. Um, What do you think about this? I'm pretty sympathetic to that view. Homelander's a monster. Um, but I'm also somebody who believes in redemption. Uh, and that's a tough thing to square when you look at a guy like Homelander. Well, especially since like, I don't think Mother's Milk is against killing Homelander. He's against becoming a soup to do it. And sure, sure. If you had like you're fighting the Nazis and someone's like, okay, well, you know, the Nazis, they got them tanks, they got them soldiers, they got them concentration camps. The only way we can defeat the Nazis is more soldiers, more tanks and more concentration camps. You might be nodding along the first few statements, but then you get to like more concentration camps. What the fuck? So, like, I think especially if you have been generationally traumatized by supers. And you probably like Mother's Milk might think the people are basically good and maybe Homelander could have been good if he hadn't been shot up full of V. I can see being afraid of what happens to your team and to humanity at large if you take shortcuts and you dance with the devil to, you know, defeat a greater demon. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a logical spiral that happens there. Right. Where like, okay, if they punch me, I need to punch them harder. To, yeah. to stop them from punching me but th- then you punch them so they need to punch you even harder it's like it, it, you know where where does that end yeah and I don't know also why Butcher had such a hard on to do it like right now it had to be like right now you know because it just started this season uh, they had Homelander contained and kind of on a leash uh so why the you know like Maeve shows up and is like well here's some temp four you'll probably use it to kill uh, Homelander and you know Butcher's like bet I'm taking it right now 
um, if I this remember, product from Vought that I don't understand and hasn't been thoroughly tested, and it does seem a little crazy when you think about it in context of where, where they were in, in the pace of, of Homelander's development. Well, it was also tied in with Newman, right? Like they found out that Newman was a soup and yeah. was embedded in, you know, and they've been politics. working for her. Yeah, yeah right. So right. it runs a lot deeper, and that changed their mind on using it. Because Butcher was trying to, run, you know, walk the straight and narrow, do it by the book, and then that changed. And for better or worse, Stan Edgar, um, you know, Homelander still hasn't been killed, and Stan Edgar is going to take a powerful piece for good off the board because the dude couldn't stop taking Tim V in, in 12 to 16, 12 to 18 months. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Sometimes, uh, you know, it's like one of those things that saved the village. We had to destroy the village. But did you? Mm-hmm. We'll see. Dan from Manchester says to run on the back of Jim's theory regarding soldier boy taking soups powers. I believe that whether it'll be this season or later, we'll see a scene where Homelander is stripped of all of his power. We'll see him for the weak, pathetic, insecure little boy that he is. Yes. I think we'll see him beg for his life, but be killed by multiple soups as he realizes that everybody did truly hate him. And the only reason they had a pretense or held a pretense was due to his immense power. And perfect end for his character would be to die facing his true fears of being unloved and powerless. And that's the end of the show, right? Because without Homelander, might not have a show. Well, well, Dan has a thought at the close of his email. Says, I also think it would be really cool if, as Homelander departs the show, we see Huey become obsessed with the power and slowly become a supervillain himself. Mm. He has a perfect setup to become the weak his whole life guy who gets off on the power trip and slowly becomes everything he hates. I feel as though we're setting this up already. How cool would it be to kill off our main villain Homelander and replace him with our hero, main hero turning villain for the final stretch of the show. Monster man turning into literal monster. It writes itself. You've sold me. You sold me, Dan. (laughs) And maybe he can be like the evil Batman with the sidekick of Todd. Uh, MM's ex's new husband. The only thing is, I guess, if they kill Homelander next season and they're going to have a five season run, you got to have at least a season because you got to unless there's going to end with uh, Huey being the Dark Lord of Humanity. Sure. You got to then have time to walk all that back and return to balance. So the only reason I don't the only the slight dislike I have this theory is like, do I think it's going to be something that the series can bear? Or I guess is like, is, is the boys going to be something to do seven, eight seasons like I don't have yeah. a good feeling on Amazon of like, will they AMC something and like run the walking dead for 12 seasons? Just fuck you. That's why. Or are they going to be like, eh, we've gotten our mileage out of here. Get rid of Homelander and let's wrap this up. And it's not going to be uh, satisfying narratively, right? Are they setting themselves up in a narrative pickle here where they've already had Huey flirt with, you know, the, those powers and his weakness. Right. And now, if he, it, you know, because he kind of turned around on that, right? By helping Starlight at the end of this episode instead of taking uh, V24, Temp V, whatever, and going in and fighting. So, like, th- there's a temptation to do that, but it might feel like backsliding. And just rep- 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 repetitive. Oh, we got another exactly. superpowered big bad. You know, it's a Death Star. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. 
The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, Christopher says, I have a thought about Blue Hawk. Uh, the name is reminiscent of a term we had in the military. Uh, the, the term was Blue Falcon. It's defined as a supposed comrade whose actions harms his friends, often but not always for his own benefit. Also known as a buddy fucker. See, BF, <laughs> sure. Blue Falcon, buddy fucker. I'm wondering if this was intentional because it does seem to fit the character a bit. Um, I like hmm. it. I don't know that you can prove it, but I like a super macho militaristic character embracing something that's inspired by it'd be like Captain Fubar, right? <laughs> sure. You know, uh, it's a badass military America, term. Yeah. Cat yeah, and, and his sidekick, the snafu kid. Like mm-hmm. it's, might seem badass if you don't know your terminology, but it also shows that that person is simultaneously out of touch yeah. with the actual community and a buffoon. I like it. Mm-hmm. Out of say boogers. I think it's crazy to think that a person could have not have seen the analogy this show is making right out of the gate in season one. But I check out this article from Bleeding Cool about people just now coming around to seeing who Homelander is. I know you've talked about Poe's Law and where satire gets blurry, but it's crazy how on the nose you have to get for some people. Uh, yeah, and this is an article. Um, it was widely discussed, but there was a bit of a civil war in the boys Reddit community between people who unironically thought Homelander was a cool dude uh, and and the people and, and those people thinking that he's being turned into a caricature this season. Hmm. Um, and that's why I also like I kind of disagreed with our listener that we had earlier in the season worrying about, you know, giving people the wrong idea. Like, I, I think you do have that. But also. Sometimes you've got to it, there's, it's like it's it's you got to use different things to reach different people. Sure. And if someone can learn about a thing or two about the world through some kind of superhero um you know, analogy, then I'm not going to begrudge them for that, for that. Um, I do think that's a very small percentage of the population. It's going to be like, shit, man, I was like super hardcore a certain way. And then I saw the superhero show and now I don't think, you know, I'm I'm not, it's, it's, it's fundamentally changed my mind. Yeah. If anything, they would feel maybe like they got duped by the show. Um, instead of like acknowledging that, Oh yeah, there's another perspective here. Uh, yeah, but you know, this is one show of many, right? So maybe this True. hits those few people, the handful of people who would have their minds changed by this particular tact. Uh, Spencer says, listen to your coverage of hero gasm. Aaron brought up that you can't show a rock hard donger on TV. I thought I'd write in to let, thank you. I just love our audience. Mm-hmm. This wants me to know about the rock hard dongs on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I'd write to let you know the show Minx on HBO spat in the face of this convention in their ninth episode. I couldn't believe it when they showed a quick glimpse and then was shocked when they had a full scene with it all in plain sight. 
Allison Tolman had a shockingly graphic scene in the finale as well. Uh, HBO is pushing the envelope as always. Maybe the boys can work in a love sausage stiffy via rigor mortis if he gets killed off. Oh my <laughs> god! Uh, that's that's a weapon. Shit. That's dangerous. Yeah, that comes at you like solid. That's going to do a lot. That's going to do some damage. Uh, that's that's some that's some crazy shit. Um, I appreciate that. I, I, I remember, man, I, there's a show that did have an erect, like the only one I've ever seen. It might have been season one of American Gods. And I read the time because you just never see it. You just mm-hmm. it's it's the one like you're never going to see like the in like <laughs> like Labia Menora. Or major, yeah. Lab, you're never gonna see Labia Menorah or a, a, just an erect dong on television. It's when it's the it's the last vestiges of if even uh, uh, prestige dramas on HBO, except for apparently Minx. Sure. So, all right, we probably already talked too much about the rock hard donger. So, <laughs> again, uh, thank you for that, Spencer. Up next is Matthew says one thought I've had and been meaning to email you about is regards to Edgar. What if a superpower literally is seeing the future, maybe just a week or a few days ahead of time, but this would explain why his pulse never changes when Homelander enters. He's never surprised and always acts in control. seems like a perfect power for him. Jim is Edgar clairvoyant. Hmm. That would explain a lot actually. Uh, boy, that's a hell of a power. I mean, that's, that's, more powerful than Homelander in some ways. Um, I don't Mindstorm seemed like, cause like I was, I would say that like, well, they've never really shown anything beyond like, you know, your, your DC comics, justice league type of powers, like but they did have power. a mentalist. Yeah. 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 You're right. Um, so it's not impossible. Unless it breaks the laws of physics and the, the boys, you know, what laws of physics? I can't. I can't even imagine when you have all these people with powers to regrow yeah, limbs. We, and- we just had on another show a conversation, a, an hour and a half long conversation with a philosopher about compatibilism and free will and determinism. And I guess it depends on which branch of that philosophy. Because <laughs> if you're a free will person, then it'd be hard to predict the future. Because how the hell could you? Mm-hmm. Like, what physical mechanism would allow you to see the correct timeline? You know? Yeah. And also, um, if you're a determinist, maybe it wouldn't matter if you could predict the future because it's still right. the future. Right. It's going to happen no matter whether. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a cool idea. It, it's, it'd be something different. that's not like his raw power going against yeah. Homelander. It's much more of an insidious thing. Uh, speaking of Stan Edgar, Daniel says during the podcast, you're wondering where he's been these last few episodes. I'm pretty sure I know the answer. He's filming the Mandalorian and better call Saul. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if he's actually influencing things from behind the shadows, like in the first season. But I actually think the reason we're not seeing him is about scheduling conflicts. You're probably right. It's unsatisfying, but a surprising number of things that are unsatisfying about television is just because the producers couldn't make it happen because of schedule and budget. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, Anderson Dawes is a fantastic fucking character in the Expanse series that yep. goes nowhere in the books. He's there the entire time. And mm-hmm. in the series, you don't see him essentially past season two. Why? Because Jerry Harry blew the fuck up and is in everything now. So... Yeah. That sucks, but it might be the reason. If that's the case, I think they could have made use of his character a little bit better. Because, uh, uh, like, he just dis, like, Newman blew him up and he just disappeared. Yeah, I thought he had more pull than that. 
that his only you know claim to fame wasn't CEO of Vought, but I guess. I don't know. We'll there, see. There weren't any, there weren't any, and there's so many ways you could bring him in. Like you could just have stock footage of, uh, Esposito looking like a corporate motherfucker and have like, you know, the in universe television things, giving you updates about the trial of San and the congressional hearings, this and all and nothing, nothing. I think they should have stole a play out of Disney's playbook and say, look, if you're going to hog the Esposito, then we're just going to digitally create an Esposito. And we're going to have him in here with the body double and just put his face on there. He's going to be you doing do backflips. He's going to be fighting with a lightsaber. Yeah. He's going to have beam shooting out of his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a little, there's a lot, there's some messiness in this season. Probably scheduling had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, COVID restrictions, you know, like a lot of people mentioned, there's a couple of like stilted scenes with blue screen and stuff. Uh, it definitely is leaving its mark. Zach's up next says after hearing the discussion of the short post credit sequence in set episode seven, I thought I'd mention something I've observed that can help you guys and the rest of bald move community stay savvy about catching these sequences and not wasting time for looking for ones that aren't there. These days, most of the streaming services, definitely Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, even Disney just started doing it recently. All will auto suggest something else to watch on their platform. As soon as the credits start rolling, mm-hmm. this happens every time, unless there is a post-credit sequence. Then it doesn't suggest something until after the whole credit sequence is done. So if you're watching a show and it doesn't auto-suggest something else for you to watch right away, like it didn't in episode seven, that's your cue that it might be worth hanging around or at least mm. fast-forwarding to check for more content before bailing. I got bad news for you, dude. Uh, we are not watching these on any of those platforms. This is the trouble. We're watching yeah. screener copies, which don't do yes. that. Um, that's definitely the case because we are watching the screeners and they don't do that. But for everybody else, it is a fantastic, yes. uh, is a fantastic little trick um, to make sure you don't miss those little stingers and extra sequences and stuff like that. Um, Daniel says, do y'all notice that Vought, 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 did y'all notice that Vought Tower is on Fifth Avenue and Homelander effectively shoots a guy in the middle of the street and doesn't lose a single voter? Sure. Sure. And I didn't, but like the taco salad, yes, that's now that I, it's pretty on the nose commentary. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Diogo, speaking of expanse, Diogo says, besides the fact that it is a big reset and we're back to where we started this season, my main problem with the finale is Maeve's decision feels completely unearned. Maeve has personally seen Homelander kill hundreds of people in that plane crash, has heard him threaten to kill millions of harvesting her eggs to create a super breed of soups and made her so convinced that she had already double crossed Starlight and the rest before. And then in the end, she decides to potentially sacrifice herself and maybe take a bunch of these other people with her just to protect Ryan. How does that make any sense? She had already made it to calculus to whatever casualties at a tower were worth it to stop Homelander. Then you add one kid who she'd already seen use superpowers to protect Homelander makes her go, well, going to kill myself instead. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think a lot about this finale is messy. Yeah. Um, I guess I didn't have a problem because like, I, I feel like the Maeve always wanted to be a hero. Uh, she's much like Annie with a lot less uh, cynicism because she's, you know, a lot more cynicism because she's been in this system a lot longer mm-hmm. and she saw a window here to do something good. I, I agree. It like there's all, and, and then they, they didn't, 
pay that sacrifice off. So I'm not going to defend this too much. I barely let Butcher get by with that excuse, uh, that reason for turning, changing his mind. Uh, and he's had a relationship with this kid. So for Maeve to do it, who doesn't know this kid from Adam is like weird. Uh, finally says, I hope the season four portrays the Annie faction as a least morally questionable. Annie and Mother Milk's take is essentially the do nothing position in the trolley problem. And the show keeps portraying it as obviously good. <laughs> I still don't do know if nothing. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's more of like pull a lever that kills an undetermined amount of people instead of the five people it's going to kill. You know, sure. And and might make a super trolley that's even harder to stop. <laughs> it's uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know why some people are seeing it as because it's not like Annie and them saying don't, they wanted to take him down. It's just on their own terms and by what they consider righteous means. But yeah, a lot of people disagree in here. Jamie says, I agree with you about the finale. I felt it, it definitely felt anticlimactic. Despite that, I'll be back next season. Hope you guys will still cover it. I'll never get tired of Aaron's ragging on Monster Man, a.k.a. Jo- uh, Jack Quaid. Uh, well, thank you. I'm glad some people appreciate it. And and. I don't imagine we wouldn't be back. The only way right. we wouldn't is if the schedule was truly apocalyptic. If like rings of power and house of dragon and the boys and, uh, what else? Westworld would come back at the same time. You know, we'd have to make some hard decisions about what we would cover and not cover, but usually we're not put in that position except for fucking house of dragons and rings of power, which are just going to sit each on each other's shoulders like some kind of demented i don't know game of chicken yeah um, who knows add walking dead in the mix i, I don't know what's going to happen this fall but uh yeah i'm not somebody who writes a show off for one misstep i i think like you can you can have a couple of missteps if it becomes a pattern then i'm like well yes. this show is not worth my time so no they still have to fuck up pretty big a few more times before i'm ready to write the boys off and I don't even know if this episode, this, this season was materially worse than season one. It just season yeah. two was so much better, especially in the, the 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 back half, right? That it was just a disappointment compared to its own excellence. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as your friendly neighborhood scientist, I'd like to weigh in on the chemistry skills of Frenchie. I work in a small environmental lab doing colometric analysis on non-potable water. We do a few other types of analysis here as well, but we are certainly not high tech nor state of the art. We only stock the chemicals of our specific analysis and our instrumentation is meant for analysis and not manufacturing. But the answer to the question my friends asked me when Breaking Bad was airing, no, I can't make meth at work because I would need to know the recipe and then order specific chemicals and glassware to do it. Most labs are quite specialized and not one stop shops for all things chemistry. But assuming that Vought Labs is a pharmaceutical type research lab, they probably would have glassware and chemicals to manufacture certain drugs. If Frenchie knows what he's doing, quote unquote, has a recipe and has access to the right chemicals and equipment, I absolutely believe he could make some neurotoxin. Would it take longer than a few minutes of frantic combing of colored liquids considering it's supposed to be this super rare shit? Probably. Should he have done it in a fume hood by wearing gloves and without blood and bullets flying all over the place? Absolutely. <laughs> You guys question if it's possible in this humble scientist opinion. Yes, it is with many caveats, caveats, caveats. Yeah. So there okay. you go. No, that, that make, makes sense. And I, I, I've been thinking about this um, a couple of times since we recorded the last podcast. And what I'm really asking myself is, do I trust that Frenchie understands what the lab is enough to know whether he can do it or not? And I guess I just have to go with his opinion on it. Right. Frenchie he thinks he can like do it expert. there, so yeah. I should believe him. 
Scott from Pittsburgh says, I find it super interesting how the member count of each team has almost inverted. The seven started the series with seven members mm. and the boys started with three butcher mother's milk and Frenchie. But by the end of season three, the seven is now down to three and the boys have swelled to six. The boys managed finally to convert the a train Homelander inevitably disposes of the deep. It will be boys seven to one Homelander. The new seven will be only partially souped up, however, and will likely not come uh, be enough to take on Homelander. Not to mention Butcher's terminally ill and Huey may suffer ill effects from his V24 exposure. Most likely and thematically appropriate thing, the cure for V24 will be to shoot up with permanent V. For Huey, this will be an easy decision, but Butcher will have a tougher choice. In order to save his own life and give the boys the strength they need to take down Homelander and bring Ryan back to the light, Butcher will need to move past his hatred of soups and become one himself. If Hugh and Butcher go full soup, Mother's Milk and Frenchie may end up going down this path as well. Frenchie appears to be persuaded about soup choice from Kamiko's experience this season. Mother's Milk has finally put his personal vendetta with Soldier Boy behind him and could see the value of protecting his daughter from the corrupting force of her Homelander-loving step-douche. The season four arc would neatly set up a final showdown in season five between Homelander and a fully souped-up seven boys. What do you think about this inversion of the seven souped-up boys theory? I mean, I like the inversion of the seven stuff. Um, that yes. the, the Homelander's philosophies and behavior would be alienating. Uh, that that makes a lot of sense, and I like to see that message in a show like this. Um, but I don't know because it's also gaining a following that that are maybe not not as uh, capable. I I don't know. I don't know. I I, I definitely see the the inverse relationship there you're right about that as far as everybody becoming soups i don't know i mean i I think the most dramatic person to become a soup is mother's milk because he's the most against it um butcher i think butcher's a mercenary right butcher will do what needs to be done he doesn't give a shit if he's a soup or not uh he'd sign up he'd sign off on the more concentration camps honestly if it brought down (laughs) right homelander I i think he'd be like all right mate you know yeah yeah, I could be wrong about that, but that's how I view him. But Mother's Milk, yeah, you turn him into a soup or get him thinking about it, then I'm I'm like, oh boy, that's that's a serious change in character. Uh, Lewis says, I'm wondering if they weren't renewed for season four until they're already in production because everything felt set for Homelander versus Butcher, the scorched earth, the final confrontation, then ending the show in the last episode, and then somehow they had to step back and search or stretch out that for another year. Hmm. You're absolutely right about the letdown feeling. Even though a lot happened, it feels like we narratively are in a holding pattern. <sighs> I guess another year. Um, I don't. I doubt that they got renewed before they're in production. But I, I got to think that you have to plan on another year and to and, and unless they're just unless. I, I think what you're saying, Lewis, another way is saying that they would have ended this season had they not been gotten another one. And I just don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm torn because based on different situations, I can see, you know, the benefit of planning on not having another season versus planning on having another season. Um, I, I don't know. Cause there is the idea of like writing yourself into a corner, which I know they wanted to do on breaking bad and found a thrill and got excited about that. Um, and it, it resulted in very good things because they were smart enough to get themselves out of those corners in believable ways for the most part. Um, So yeah, planning to not have another season seemed like it worked for them. 
it would produce a satisfying ending to a show if they unexpectedly didn't have another season. But also, you don't want to cut the legs off a story before you've told the full story just because you assume you're not going to get another season. When you're a very popular show, you know, that, that's the thing. you got to look at the ratings and the audience and the likelihood of getting another season when you're talking about writing to a conclusion, right? Yeah. And if I take him literally at, at his word here, uh, Scott, like, I don't, it would, I don't know if it felt satisfying had they killed Homelander and probably Soldier Boy mm-hmm. and... You know, because because they had to, they also had to address Butcher's Tent V problem. Uh, and Newman, like, I mean, the infiltration of the soups into the government, Newman, I think, is important. Yeah, Stan Edgar disappearing, Kamiko, uh, like wanting to choose to be like there was a lot of stuff that was setting up for another season that I don't think would have felt nice and neat. You know, mm-hmm. ha- had they just, you know, it's not like they just, and also, yeah, like I, uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. I, th- I think. Now, it could be that we've seen this before in other shows. Like, Mr. Robot's a good example, where I thought the second season sucked and was like a shapeless, uh, throat-clearing, feet-dragging mess because they had enough plot for like a half season, uh, but they didn't want to do that and then tell another half season and have to end there. So, like, their only way you can do that is just uh, condense that and shove it into another season or pad it out. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that happens when you're when you're breaking the stories where you realize, fuck, uh, this is the next step and this makes a logical beginning and end point. But shit, we don't quite have enough for the episodes we promised to do. Westworld might be another uh, illustration of that problem. I think season two <laughs> could have probably been done in a solid three or four episodes and it was uh, padded out. Um, so it, it, sometimes it happens. And Mr. Robot is one it ended most one of the most satisfying ways I've ever seen. Yeah. So they got through that. I I have faith in the boys too, honestly. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think this is a temporary problem that will be resolved going forward, and that's that's my that's my my good faith going forward in this podcast. Sweet Jerry says, "Was curious to hear your thoughts on the addition of Soldier Boy this season and how he fit in at the regular cast. More specifically, what you thought of Jensen Ackles' portrayal of the character." I thought him, Carl Urban, and Anthony Starr were the highlights of the season. I was a big Supernatural fan and glad to see him getting more recognition in a different role. Uh, lastly, with how things ended, do you think they bring Soldier Boy back? Kripke stated in the interview after finale that the door is 100% open to do so. Ackles said he'd come running back the opportunity arises, hmm. though I think he has other commitments that would conflict with an upcoming season four. It would be interesting to see him take a season off and come back in season five as Mallory's new weapon. What do you think of Jensen Ackles? Soldier I liked Boy him. The season. I was impressed. Uh, I don't watch Supernatural. I feel like I may have seen an episode somewhere, but yeah, I, I certainly didn't know him uh, before the show. But yeah, he's impressed me. I'd, I'd like to see more range, I guess, from him in other projects because this is very one note. But that's what I was going to say. But, I don't but there's know like dry comedy. Me in there too yeah like, it, it's it's not like only one note but it's not a big range like you can no. see with an anthony star or a butcher or somebody right he just wasn't given that material he was an emotionally yeah. closed off a constipated dude you know mm-hmm. um and i think he did what he needed to do but like this character just didn't let him really fly so i'm like i'm i thought he's fine i thought he's fine 
Uh, I would look forward to seeing him back. I am actually, it's on my list of things to watch at least the first five, which I've heard that's the one that Kripke did and was all carefully plotted out. I like to see the first five seasons of Supernatural at one point because it does seem like it's up my alley. But like, yeah, um, he, he, he was he was fine. But but yeah, like I think Carl, uh, Carl Urban and Anthony Starr are the standouts of the show. Oh, yeah. They are the reasons to watch it. And uh, I would look forward to seeing more Ackles if he does come back. Mm-hmm. It does seem like he is like they didn't put him under cold storage for nothing. Right. He is an anti soup weapon that they have ready to go. So I would be highly surprised if he's not back before the end of the series. Mm hmm. Aaron says, overall, I enjoyed the finale, but I do think the pacing was intense. I felt like the scenes shuffled through as quickly as Kamiko dancing the maniac and with similar brutality. Yeah. The finale episode could have definitely used another 30-minute cushion to allow for more moving moments and allow them to breathe and take time to resonate before cutting to the next scene. Another issue I had was how they handled the death of Black Noir. I felt like he was duped by the writers. Or I was duped by the writers. We get no real background or insight in the noir in the first two seasons of the show. He's a mysterious background character with a tree nut allergy. Then in season three, we're introduced to this horrific past only for him to kill, uh, be killed off in the finale. I don't think I would have been as upset with noir's death if they haven't spared Maeve's life in the dumbest fucking way possible. Aaron, I think you might be taken for a sucker because I don't think the black noir's dead. <laughs> I'll be the sucker. I think he's dead. I saw, again, a cartoon version, granted, but with Mm. my own two peepers, his brains get beat out of his body, scoop back into his skull, and granted, a different dude from that point forward, but he didn't die. And they want me to think that Homelander punches his spleen out, and that's not recoverable. (laughs) I don't know. Not buying it. But Black Noir Truther. All right. No, you're most likely right, but... I don't know. Boy, that cheapens it yet again, right? <laughs> like, how how cheap can you make it? Like, kill him without any ceremony or kill him without any ceremony and then bring him back? Uh, you know what? For a show, a show that's always impressed me in that kind of Game of Thrones way of their uh, seeming ability to just destroy main characters. Mm-hmm. This season ran a lot of that back. Yes. I'm not nearly as in fear for my characters' lives moment to moment and scene to scene and uh, they need to do something about that because it just seems like there's a lot of people with unhealthy levels of plot armor yeah from a narrative standpoint Sewell says hey gang while I enjoyed the episode fine I didn't I did think it didn't hit anywhere near how hard it could have because as many people have said nothing has changed I thought this was the perfect time to actually show levels of Homelander how about instead of Maeve and uh, Soldier Boy jumping through the window, you get Soldier Boy beating the dog shit out of everyone and going full dark mode and trying to hit Ryan with a for- the forever charge and Homelander stepping in to take the blast, desouping him. Sure. The boys show empathy and let him go for saving Ryan, and boom, we get a super cool look on the other side of Homelander for next season. Also, this fight was just all wrong. So the fuck what that Ryan gets punched. It should have been a fatal four-way death match with Mage, Maeve, Butcher, Soldier Boy, and Homelander swapping energy blasts and punches while switching partners. By the way, how strong is Starlight? Like, is she invisible if you get into a fight with her at a rave? I'd like more of a description of her abilities. <laughs> yeah. Or invincible, rather. No, it really depends on how much power. Like, if she's at a nuclear reactor, I bet she's crazy powerful. 
My favorite part of the episode is something you two have been talking about from season one, how Homelander would turn his son into a bright burn type character. That's the horror film uh, and, and examining what if what if Superman but evil. Mm-hmm. I got a good laugh at Ryan throwing that baseball and it just being a fucking meteor and destroying some guy's house. And just when he thinks, can it get any worse? Maeve's long toss of the neuropoison lands right next to him. Mm. That <laughs> nice. would be the darkest timeline for that particular individual, would it not? Um, moving on to Fletch in Cincinnati, the Queen City, our hometown. All season long, I thought Stormfront's death was a ruse to be used as a last ditch effort to keep Homelander in check. The show's made a habit out of showing us when characters meet their final gruesome end. Alex, Blue Hawk, Noir, even A-Train technically died before getting his new heart. But we never actually see Stormfront die. Just a bloody rag and a pool of blood on her bed. Do you think she'll be kept around for season four? Check on Homelander, or would that be too big a wool to pull over our eyes at that point? And should we just presume she did, in fact, take herself out of her own misery? I I think she's dead, but I, I'm going to look the fool when God everybody comes back next season, right? I hate this. Black Noir, yeah. Stormfront. Yeah, I know I'm the big proponent because I think I'm right. And you might be right here. The only thing I can say is, like, I don't know what narrative purpose it serves. The narrative purpose it served this season mm-hmm. was to push Homelander into even more of his feeling of isolation. Like, even this woman who he saw as an equal in his love, was, he st- still didn't really like her worldview and was always trying to get her shut up about it. And when she died, it broke him in a real way that, that liberated him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already done been liberated. As liberated as you can get, he killed a dude. Um. Yeah. What yeah. purpose does it serve to bring her back when she's just going to, you know, reinforce the ideas that he's come to himself? Right. The people who are embracing him now. Yeah, I, I don't know. Fletcher goes on to say, "I've been thinking a lot about what the show is trying to say in terms of America and its power and influence, and realize that almost everyone who wields real power in the show is not American. You got Carl Urban, Anthony Starr, Claudia." Dumit, even Giancarlo Esposito, who is an American, was born in Denmark and didn't move to the U.S. until six years of age. While it's common for actors to play different nationalities, do you think this show is trying uh, to inherently say something on this topic by making an Australian-born actress a VP candidate or wrapping a New Zealander an American flag at times, or am I thinking too much about it? That might be a little too meta. I feel like, you know, they find actors who fit the roles, uh, the characters. Some of those that you mentioned are definitely American. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, what is the meta point? You know, is it like are as are we as an American on the world stage too much of a bully that like if we made Americans the uber super bullies that it would squick, it would turn people off of the show? Because I don't think people think that hard. Like, I think people the don't average know. person that watches. I mean, do you, yeah, if yeah, you're watching this, do you know that Anthony Starr isn't an American? It still seems like a magic trick when I see an interview with Anthony Starr and he starts talking like an op. Like it, it blows my mind because all I know him from is Banshee and the boys where he does a flawless American accent. Yeah. So, yeah, I imagine the vast majority of people do not. And I, I, I did. I didn't know the fucking uh, Newman was uh, news, uh, uh, an Australian. So, like, yeah. No. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it would be an interesting and funny kind of sly point, but I doubt it is thematically an interest, an interesting enough to be like predictive or something. Sure. Um, 
Christopher G says, I think that overall I really enjoyed the season, the boys, but there are a few things that bothered me about the finale. Probably the biggest issue I had is the episode uh, with this episode is how soldier boy reacted to Homelander wanting to be his son. Homelander essentially says, let's be a family and team up and literally no one can stop us. And Oh, by the way, I've got a grandson for you. And soldier boy's reaction was essentially God. Why are you such a pussy? I mean, I get it. If Homelander was sobbing and snot running out of his face, but call him and daddy. But I thought the emotion Homelander showed to confronting a man that he just found out was his father was actually very appropriate. And even Soldier Boy talked about how he wanted kids, so this made no sense to me. I think you're supposed to see this through the lens of Butcher's father and that Soldier Boy just can't do it. He is presented this situation where he might be understood and loved as an equal for the first time in his life, and he fucking just doesn't know how to do it. He 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 just runs his dad's playbook. Because that's the thing, is like... Yeah. Was his dad really disappointed in Soldier Boy or was that his dad motivating him? Like, my dad told me I was a worthless piece of shit and that's why I became a blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to do the same thing. A lot of these are just patterns that perpetuate like a standing wave. You know, it's like you ever driven by on a road and there's like a snarl in traffic and you get up there and there's nothing. But turns Uh out like three hours ago, there was an accident and it's the standing wave of rubberneckers. Like, that's what happens with this generational trauma business. And I think that's what they're exploring. Yeah, could be right. Um, my other issue is how Huey essentially powers up Starlight by frantically turning up the lights and volume in the studio way up. She's shown that she can take whatever electricity there is and multiply it even from a small light bulb. But she's standing in Vought Tower and she should have access to all the power she ever would need. Why does turning up the lights have any effect at all? She's either connected to the power grid or she's not. Just keeping her phone in her pocket should give her all the power she needs, right? It makes sense if Huey was in trouble and she dug deep and brought this power out by herself. But the way this was handled didn't make sense to me. Maybe maybe it's symbolic. Maybe it's like an I'm with you. Maybe this is the power of love, like a visual representation. Oh, it's a signal that because uh, Starlander or Starlander Starlight had to know what was going on. Right. When the like, lights come just up. Like, yeah, uh, I think so. yeah, it's like, oh, Huey believes in me. Mm hmm. But on the other hand, <laughs> you also not, got, it's a, being a little facetious there, but yeah. But I mean, yeah, I think the more likely is it's rule of cool and comic book logic that sure. like, yes, sure. She can more power, but like equals that, more power. Yeah. If that's the case, like the light bulb being lit or not, just the potential of the energy being there should be enough to pull it out of this, the, the light sockets. But it seems the, like it a proximity to energy. I, I mean, I mean, clearly there's some proximity effect to work, but I guess it it depends. Like, do you think this show could use a technical manual where it actually exhaustively (laughs) runs down every soup and their powers and how they work and, you know, how Soldier Boy defies or I mean, sorry, how how Homelander defies gravity or would you rather because like most comic books are more of the just roll with it, you know? Yeah. Then it it becomes sci-fi instead of comic book fantasy stuff. Yeah. Exactly. That Star Trek needs a technical manual. The boys does not. Yeah. Uh, lastly, Kamiko listening to music and dancing while fighting a group of guys is dumb because Frenchie still got shot because of it. I remember thinking this in Blade Trinity where Jessica Beale's character turns her iPod on and starts fighting vampires. Makes no sense to take out your hearing senses in a fight. I'd be so pissed if I was Frenchie. She also did the superhero trope of, her, trope of her kicking everyone's ass, but then for some reason, she spends so much time on one guy and allows the other guy to get a drop on her. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know. Frenchie wasn't pissed, and she is kind of a head in her clouds type of character this season. So, yeah, thematically, whatever they're going for with Kamiko, they needed her to be listening to music there. Yeah, they needed to sell the fact that she is like a, she's always a morose motherfucker, and uh, her spiritual awakening was tied to her loss of powers and her happiness and doing the musical stuff. So I think they're trying they're just it's literally a stylistic choice to show that Kimiko has uh got the best of both worlds. She's no longer angsty about her superpowers. She's turned the corner and she can fuse both of these personalities together. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I, I'm the least invested in any of the characters uh of Kimiko and Frenchie. I like that was fine for a while, but I feel like that's going on too long and it's becoming melodramatic in certain ways. That's like, ah, come on, let's just get past this. Uh, Jamie says, I can't stop thinking about the scenario you guys pitched with soldier boys powers actually going off and everyone in the Vought tower. That would have made a compelling next step in the story. I wonder though, would soldier boy actually depower Homelander and Ryan? Because recall, they're not soups created by V, but from birth in their parents' genes. This is true, correct? Homelander, I guess, if he's actually yeah, Soldier Boy's. Because like, we know the... for sure that hmm. that's yeah. true for Ryan. For sure, yeah. So That's interesting. It's very interesting. I am... 50 50 on whether that would blow the quote unquote V out of him because at some point V was involved, but like, man, you're talking about something that's heritable. I see that feels right. permanent. How the fuck do you blow something out of someone's genes that were there, you know, their DNA when it was there from conception? Yeah. How, how do you, how do you target those genes with, with something if they're not an anomaly, if they're just part of who they are and who are they if you blow those out of them? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's that's a hop, skip, and a jump for how the hell does his power work sure. to blow V out of somebody? But yeah, and, yeah, and I mean that's that's stuff. the thing. We we'll, we won't know until they decide to pull that card, right? Right. Or if they never do, then we'll know. But God, that would have been. It's another reason why they're putting it off because we still think that Soldier Boy is the ultimate weapon, and it pops off, and Ryan and Superboy or Sol- <laughs> or uh, Homeland are just fine. That would yeah. be wild. Yeah. That would have been that's a hell extra of a, crazy. That's a hell of an idea, Jamie. We'll see mm-hmm. if it, uh, it it occurs next season. But wow. Yeah. Good. Good on the ball. Good on the ball theory craft in there. Bill from New Jersey says, I agree. It was a letdown by the boys season three finale, but I think it's because of two things. One, the story that they were telling in the penultimate episode is butcher selling out everything to kill Homelander and not telling Huey about the temp V was the last person uh, he had to abandon in his pursuit of his white whale. He turns on mother's milk, Frenchie, Ryan, Kimiko, and finally Huey to get a chance at killing Homelander. But in the final episode, he walks his full heel turned back and I felt wrong to me given his trajectory that the rest of the story set up because of Ryan too. Yeah. I mean, Ryan doesn't even remind him of anybody, right? At yeah. least you got Huey reminding him of Lenny. The, I, the thing that, that that's the promise, the promise to his dead wife is what binds yeah. him to Ryan. But Huey, he's got a personal connection to. But the kid can take a punch. That's the, that's the thing I don't get. I don't right. know. Maybe killing his dad is not part of the promise or it would violate right. the promise. 
Also, the action in the final fight felt wrong. The decision to change sides and turn on Soldier Boy felt contrived, and the stakes didn't justify it to me. I kept thinking that keeping the board more or less status quo was the least interesting option, while killing or depowering someone would have been a season finale worthy. worthy. I, I think that's what everyone has a problem with, that yeah. the end of this season is exactly the same as last season, mm-hmm. which is, broadly speaking, exactly the same as the season before. And they need to progress. It felt to me like the show lacked the courage to follow its own setups and kill or depower Homelander, make Butcher the real villain, or something even more dramatic. I still dig the boys, but I think the finale pulled its punch and put us back on a treadmill where I was ready to see the real game-changing moment. Uh, I agree. This felt like more of a mid-season finale that like, you find out, like for example, the Soldier Boy don't work and he's dead now. Now what? Mm-hmm. For the real finale. But Yeah, I mean, going into this finale, I was definitely like, it'd be super interesting to depower Homelander and then see if the people who wanted to kill him still want to kill him uh, and make make a moral choice there, you know, an ethical choice. But then like this theory of like, oh, it just doesn't depower him. It, that's the fucking game changer, right? Like, can this guy even be defeated? And, and it, with the weapons that we know work on other soups, that's yeah, that would have been terrifying. It's it's like a weird status quo that also changes the game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I like I said, I, I just think it's um, I, I it's we're not going to know what this is until we get another season along. Like we're going to know whether this is the fact that they just don't have any other ideas and they know that as soon as Homelander's done, it's over and they're not ready for it to be done. Or yeah. was this like a case of like you had five pounds of plot in a 10 pound bag uh, or is it the case of like season two is just a banger and like season three was aggression to the norm. And then it's always going to be kind of that average level of like good, but a flaw or two fatal flaw here or there. I don't know. We, mm-hmm. we won't know until next season because again, there's so much shit with COVID and all this other stuff that was, was playing into it. Finally, Marie says, first of all, I love the show and plan to keep on watching, but I have concerns. You mentioned it up and you mentioned in your wrap up, but wouldn't real V just solve lots of these problems? Give it to Butcher. Brain healed. He's saved. Give the A-Train's brother. Spine healed. Boom. I don't think A-Train's brother would be happy about it, but he could walk. It makes sense that Vaught wants to tempt V to work because you can keep selling it again and again. Also, you can stop giving it if the person can't handle the powers and you know they become an asshole. But if the characters we care about, get them that real V. Sure. I mean, yeah, and it doesn't even have to. I don't think that undermines the drama either. Like the the damage that I'm concerned with isn't always the physical stuff, right? It's a lot of emotional stuff, psychological stuff. I'm, yeah, I think you could heal these characters physically and still have them be emotionally damaged and interesting. That's interesting, actually, to have a very powerful person who is mental. Well, I guess they're already I mean, Homelander, Homelander yeah, though. Right? He's mentally and emotionally weak. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, my last thought after watching Hero Gasm, which I enjoyed, I noticed that Nelson Craig was the director. Name sounded familiar, so I looked him up. He also directed some of the American Horror Story Roanoke season, which I'd also liked. I then went down the rabbit hole looking at directors. There are a lot of directors on The Boys. Some have done episodes in other seasons. Some are new to this season. I know a lot goes into making a show, but the episodes I liked more this season came from the same directors. The last two episodes, which are not my favorite, were directed by Sarah Boyd. Last season, she did the bloody doors off when the boys went to the soup asylum. 
That was an interesting episode, hmm. but not a standout for me. Maybe the show just picked the wrong director. What do you guys think? Uh, this happens on shows for sure, where standout directors reveal themselves. Uh, you see it in Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, like some of those high profile shows. Uh, yes. <laughs> do, do different directors have varying levels of quality and, and also just like different qualities themselves that fit an episode better? Uh, certainly. Yeah, like I, we mentioned last season on Westworld that uh, Jennifer Getzinger showed up in the back half of the second season mm-hmm. and almost single-handedly fixed all their problems with their you know slick, stylistic robot fighting action not working. Like mm-hmm. you, you know, some actors, some directors are just really good at shooting complex action scenes. I'm thinking of Sapochnik from Game of Thrones. Michelle McLaren was lauded for that too. You know, it's a it's a special skill set to shoot action. Um, it's a completely different way to tell stories. Uh, so yeah, directors have a huge amount of uh, ability to make to make or break a show. They're the ones that are most in charge of day to day making something real. And if they don't have the yeah. experience or the uh, the aptitude for it, it can it can it can be bad news. So I haven't yeah. looked into the Sarah Boyd and her career, but maybe that did happen. I think there are definitely directorial problems in this episode. I, th- I think like a lot of the uh, disjointed feeling of the early scenes, just, you know, the, uh, no flow to the early scenes, just kind of moving from big moment to big moment is a directorial problem. But I think the ending of this is more of a writing problem. I think yeah, they I wrote her into a corner and what's she going to do as a director say, nah, I want to change the ending of your show. I, yeah. I don't think that would fly. And to your point about the herky, there there also could be some editing problems too. Like sure. it could be sure. like the worst case scenario where the writing wasn't great, the director was a little, you know, conventional and and you know just 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 not what the boys need, and then it was edited together in a way that was confusing and 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 uh, you know jumpy. So directors have a lot of things, a lot of editorial control too. True. Um, TV is a weird beast, though, because you typically as a director, I don't think have as much control over the writing of a television show as you would over the movie, right? You can come in as a director and totally change a movie and say, no, I want this. I want a different writer. Let's bring in somebody else to do rewrites. You can kind of get away with that on TV where things are more planned out and kind of the showrunner is the the big bad as far as like where where the buck stops. I, I think it's harder to do as a director. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Um, so yeah, it could be there's there's some some creative behind the scenes type of problems, and and maybe they'll be because like you said, there's you know not everybody comes back to, to keep directing. They'll have probably have a bunch of new people next year, mm-hmm. and hopefully the combination will just come together better in the writing room, in on the in, uh, in the studio, uh, in the editing bay. Everything will just kind of like work a little bit better because again. I hope people aren't coming away that we are just shitting on the season. <laughs> no, I thought this is a good, good season. It just like didn't elevate like the previous season did. And it felt a little treadmilly, especially mm-hmm. again after how good last season was. So will season four be a return to season two form? Will we continue to regress to the mean of, of season one and three? I don't know. But we're probably a year, year and a half, maybe two years away from finding out. I do know this. We will be back. Almost certainly. Again, schedule of problems. We can't can't guarantee. I might, you know, we might get hit by a bus tomorrow. A uh, homelander might rip her spine out. Who knows? 
We'll probably be back. If you're looking for something to do with your television watching self, uh, I can hardly recommend, like I said in the beginning, uh, we're doing Westworld now. We're do, we're about to start Walking Dead. We're doing Better Call Saul. We're doing For All Mankind. We're about to start the Rings of Power, uh, the Tolkien fantasy on Amazon, and House of the Dragon on HBO. There is so much stuff we're covering. I have a hard time believing none of that is of interest to you guys and gals. I uh, hope that you'll follow us somewhere at baldmove.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Twitter. And uh, also, if, you're, if you've been a long-term fan and you haven't made the plunge yet, uh, head over to support.baldmove.com. You can get even more Bald Move. Absent of commercials. What a deal. Support.baldmove.com. Otherwise, we'll see you, hopefully, in the next season of The Boys. And until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.